Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Tracy Murda with the Future Tech Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have a special guest, Ben Godfrey, founder of SportVest, a blockchain-based venture capital fund exclusively investing in the future of sports and creating a new asset class. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks a lot, Tracy. I'm pleased to be here. So Ben, let's start out talking about, first, I want to know a little bit about yourself and your beginnings and kind of what geared you toward getting involved in blockchain and cryptocurrency world. Yeah, so basically, you know, I got into blockchain, I would say, around, it would have been towards the end of 2016, start of 2017. I mean, the reason why I got into to, to blockchain and, and tokens was, you know, just basically through the research that I've been doing through 2015, and obviously, you know, looking at ways that we could improve um, capital deployment into the sports sector. So that's kind of like why, you know, I was drawn to blockchain, obviously looking at the technology and, you know, the advantages of using blockchain versus the traditional method of, of obviously investing in, you know, companies or, or certain types of investment. So tell me about the idea for SportFest. Where was that born? Okay, so basically it, it, it kind of goes back to like the end of 2015, start of 2016. So obviously what had happened, um, I basically wanted to get into the, to the sports sector. You know, I'm a massive sports fan. Um, playing and watching. And obviously, I was looking at what opportunities were out there in the marketplace. So in, in 2016, what happened was I co-founded a traditional crowdfunding platform that was dedicated to the sports sector. Now, obviously, there were a lot of crowdfunding platforms out there, you know, things like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing really specialized for sports. So it was kind of done as a test to see, you know, what companies were out there, um, what they were doing, and obviously, you know, what stages they were at. So in 2016, we launched a crowdfunding platform just for basically products and donations. The reason we didn't do equity crowdfunding was to do equity crowdfunding here in the U.S., you have to be regulated by the SEC. Um, and it was just kind of time consuming. We wanted to get a product to market and, and just use that as like a test and a, a model, so to speak. So we launched that in 2016 and then it was kind of typical what happened. You know, the first couple of weeks I had hundreds of companies coming to me at various different stages. So that was companies that had a concept, uh, companies that had a prototype or a product and then companies that were much more advanced that gone through that fundraising process of seed and you know they were generating revenues but were looking for a series a investments or follow-on investments 
the downside was all of these companies were looking to secure capital for an equity position. So to say it was kind of typical that I had to turn these companies away, I couldn't help them. And then it kind of got me thinking, you know, why are there so many great companies out there in the sports sector that can't raise money? So that like led me into doing further investigations into the venture capital space to see what VCs there were in the sports sector and what VCs were investing in sports. And it kind of surprised me that, you know, there was a very limited uh, number of VCs. So you've got today, like, big VC funds. So somebody like RGA Ventures uh, is based in New York um, and have offices all over the U.S., but, you know, they're like a billion-dollar fund uh, and they do invest in sports. And then you've got, obviously, smaller micro-funds 30 to 40 million that are investing in sports but there was really very limited vc funds in the in the range of 100 to 3 400 million so you know effectively after analyzing the vcs what they were investing in their portfolio companies what sectors within the sports economy it kind of you know i made the decision really that there was a like a kind of a gap in the market and obviously, you know, that coupled with blockchain technology tokenization, that's really like how the the fund was born out of out of those three things being at the intersection of, of obviously blockchain sports and venture capital. So Ben, why is there a lack of VCs in the sports industry? What's that about? I think, you know, traditionally sports you can look in many countries, you know, in the world, sports tends to be controlled by obviously a number of extremely wealthy people or families. So obviously that's when you talk about club ownership um, and you talk about, you know, television rights, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as I say, the, the control is really in a, a small group. And I think, you know, when it comes down to like VCs, Obviously, it is a specialist area and people say to me, you know, it's a niche area, but you have to remember that, that sports, the economy today is worth, I mean, approximately, I would say around six to seven hundred billion dollars. So, you know, it is a, a massive economy and it's a massive sector. And I think sports, it touches obviously every people, you know, every, every person's life. Um, in one way or the other. I mean, the good thing about sport is is that it unites people. So it doesn't matter what race, what race you are, religion, social standing, that is really irrelevant. You know, at the end of the day, everybody can relate to some type of sport. But, you know, I think why is there a, a lack of capital? I mean, to be honest with you, it's a difficult question to answer. You know, and, I, I, and I've done near on two years worth of, of analysis um, in sports, obviously blockchain and venture capital, and I still really can't put my finger on why, you know, it is such an undercapitalized sector. I think, you know, there's there's so many great opportunities out there. I just think the the VC model, they tend to, they do invest in sports, but they tend to stick together. So they'll all invest in what you would classify as the in-sector within sports. So that's why we've seen you know, massive growth in esports, for example, because obviously, you know, a lot of the VCs, they've all invested into esports. The problem with that is, you know, other sectors within sports get, get neglected. I just think there's just not sufficient capital for the number of opportunities out there. I mean, 
And obviously, you know, at Sportvest, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bridge that gap and bring additional capital to the ecosystem and help grow that economy. So let's talk about what exactly it is you do at Sportvest. And really, I want to know why is blockchain essential or what, you know, what role does that play in what you're doing? Why is it necessary? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, as you said at the start, of the uh, of the interview basically you know we're a sports vc fund but we're obviously different to a traditional sports venture capital fund or you know just a, a normal venture capital fund i think with blockchain technology you know that's opened up so many exciting opportunities um to disrupt many industries not just you know sports venture capital i mean across all all industries there's opportunities using that technology and also using a token so i mean basically what makes us different and why are we using blockchain technology you have to understand first of all like a traditional vc fund and the advantages and disadvantages of that type of model so today if you're an investor and you want to invest in a venture capital fund you would invest x amount of money you would put that money into that fund. Now, what happens is, is when you get your returns depends on the exits of that fund. So a traditional VC fund will have a strategy. It will invest your money along with everybody else's money in different types of, of businesses. You know, that could be startups. It could be companies that are more well-established, you know, that are looking for a series A. So they're already making money there you know they're, they're generating a revenue but what will happen is the growth of those companies you know can take a number of years so a traditional vc fund will look to exit out of a portfolio company three five or ten years depending on the the growth of that company obviously there's always going to be certain failures and certain successes and that goes for any any fund so effectively as a an lp of a venture fund you're tying up your capital for three five or ten years um you're not going to see any return it's basically illiquid also a, a traditional venture capital fund can only take equity positions so what that means is by buying the equity again it's a liquidity issue but also those investments are always going to be medium to long term so you know those are two of the the, the biggest disadvantages for an LP investing in a traditional model. What blockchain and tokenization allows is, first of all, because they're two different things. So if we talk about tokenization, first of all, I mean, you get obviously two types of tokens, the main two types, there are other types, but the main two are a utility token and a security token. So a utility token is a token that can be used for a service. That could be buying a ticket, it could be, buying clothing it could be even paying in a restaurant um you know that's classified as a utility because you're actually paying to receive a service a security is a regulated token so effectively what it means is when you buy a security token you have ownership of something it's backed by an asset and what happens is is you get a return based on your investment so it's like buying a share on the stock market you know if you were to buy a facebook uh, share 
that share will go up and down in value depending on the performance of the company, et cetera, et cetera. So the token is exactly the same model. It's just a token, of course, which is digital. So effectively, the advantages of, of using a token are your, when, when you sell that token to an investor, an investor buys X amount of tokens. Those tokens represent a share in your fund. But what is the biggest difference is, is the liquidity aspect. So ultimately, at Sportfest, you know, we're registered in the U.S. Um, and we're basically following the guidelines of the SEC guidelines with regards to tokens, ICOs, initial coin offerings, um, and blockchain are still not fully matured. So there are certain gray areas. But ultimately, you know, if you want to operate in places like the U.S. or other countries, you've really got to look to follow the guidelines. So effectively, you know, our token is classified as a security. What that means is that, you know, effectively we register under certain regulations with the SEC. So when a person buys the token, they're, as I said, an LP in the fund, the, the token has a vesting period. So that's a period where it can't be sold. And that period is one year. But the, the brilliance of, of tokenization means that an LP that invests in a tokenized fund can have their liquidity effectively after one year. So let's say they don't want to be in that fund anymore, they want to liquidate their position, they can sell their tokens and realize the capital and the value at that point in time and convert it back to dollars. So as I say, the, if you compare that to a traditional VC model, you're getting liquidity after one year instead of three, five, or 10 years. So, you know, that's like one of the main advantages for tokenization. Obviously, blockchain technology, that's technology that allows you to have transparency. It allows you to track um, and verify certain transactions. So ultimately, being a tokenized fund, our fund will, of course, be making investments. Some of those investments will be, will be in blockchain companies. So ultimately, the money, when we do that investment, will be passed through a smart contract. That is recorded on the blockchain, which gives full transparency to your investors in your fund. Our fund is a mixed fund, so we're not just going to be investing in blockchain-based businesses. We're also going to be investing in traditional um, businesses that are not using blockchain technology because obviously we want it to be a diversified fund. Another advantage that we have having a tokenized fund is the positions that we can take. Not all of our positions will be long-term positions like a traditional fund, which is three, five, or 10 years. We'll be able to take token positions. So that could be, for example, a sports betting company that has a token, they're issuing that token, they're looking to raise capital. We could buy a portion of those tokens, we would hold those tokens, and then we would liquidate those tokens within one year period. So that allows our fund to have continuous liquidity, liquidity on an annual basis. It allows us to mitigate certain risks over long-term investments and protect the LP, the invest, the underlying investor. So, I mean, that's like more of a shortened version of the reasons why you would be on blockchain. Um, so it's transparency, speed of execution, reduction of costs the positions that you can take, liquidity for your investors. You know, that's five reasons there as to why 
we believe the model of the VC is going to change. It doesn't mean that the traditional VC is going to disappear because there's always going to be traditional VCs. We're just going to see a new type of fund developing as well, which is obviously a tokenized fund. So, Ben, tell me about the maybe the sectors or the types of companies that you're investing in and what makes a good investment? What makes a company a, a good prospect for you to, you know, look at? So basically, you know, if you break down, um, if you break down the sports economy, because it's such a big sector, there are a number of subsectors within sports. So, you know, obviously you've got traditional things like clubs, teams, uh, athletes. You've got things like merchandise, so jerseys. You've got memorabilia. Um, you've got things like fan content, so that could be cable television, but also streaming. You've got wearables. You've got media and IP. You've got data and analytics. You've got e-commerce and ticketing. You've got esports. You've got gaming. You've got sports betting. You've got AI. You've got virtual reality. You've got AR. You've got big data. You've got fantasy sports. You've got gambling. You've got sports apps. So, you know, I mean, I've just given you there maybe 20 or 30 different subsectors within, you know, the sports economy. And obviously, you know, we have a specific strategy as a fund. So our fund is 50 to 60 percent slanted to the U.S. with the rest of the fund um, split throughout the rest of the world. So we're looking for geographical diversification because obviously not all the best opportunities are here in the U.S. You know, there are opportunities in Asia, in Latin America, in Central Europe, you know, in, in other areas throughout the globe. Um, we also have in our built into our strategy a specific sweet spot for us. So that would be post seed, pre series A. So what that means is it's obviously a company that's already raised capital. It's a company that has some form of traction. So if it's a product, they'll have their product or their prototype. They'll have maybe done some sales. Or if it's a, a sports application, they'll have you know, already had a beta version, have obtained users. So they will have had some type of traction, uh, but they won't have, you know, be, they'll probably be profitable or they'll probably be making money or breaking even or maybe even losing money, but they'll be receiving some type of revenue. So they'll be post-revenue, not pre-revenue. Um, so that would be a sweet spot for us to look at investing post-seed, pre-series A. When we talk about analyzing, you know, and how do we select what we're going to invest in, obviously we're kind of different to a traditional VC where, you know, a traditional VC, you'll have a lead investor. So one VC would invest in one specific company and then other VCs that are investing in the same sector would probably follow on with smaller investment amounts. Our model is kind of thinking outside the box with regards of we have our own set strategy. So we look at areas what we believe are going to grow in the next three to five years. We're always look, trying to look at what is going to be the next in thing, the next growth area. So, you know, obviously with blockchain technology, we're going to see a number of, of sectors within sports that are going to change drastically. Esports, of course, we've we've seen the growth through esports. You know, esports is probably going to become um, the biggest sector 
bigger than traditional sports when it comes to viewers and revenues and audiences. But obviously, there's a lot of competition within that space. That doesn't mean we won't make investments there. It's just that we, the due diligence is, is tighter, it's more complex, it's harder to pick winners. Um, so we're, we're looking at areas that we believe are going to be, as I say, the future in the next three to five years. So that would be areas of ticketing, for example. So today, if you look at sports ticketing, it represents more than 50% of all ticketing. Um, probably, I think it's around 60% actually. So ticketing on the block, bringing a ticketing model onto the blockchain, and there are companies that are, that are doing this at the moment, um, that are in early stages. Ticketing allows, bringing that onto the blockchain, it allows you to verify that the tickets are, are not fake. It allows you to control price. It allows you to, uh, to extract data. It allows you to track the whole life cycle of the ticket. So we believe that ticket, the way tickets are purchased the way the track, the data obtained from tickets in the sports sector is going to be uh, one of the main key areas in the next couple of years. Another area for us would be memorabilia. So memorabilia, we believe we're going to see digital, digital memorabilia, but we're also going to see memorabilia that's physical memorabilia with regards of jerseys or, you know, other types of sports memorabilia. The verification and authentication of that memorabilia being recorded on the blockchain the reason being and the advantages of that are you have the historical so if that memorabilia is sold you can see who sold that or when it was sold the value the price when it was purchased who's holding certain memorabilia it's a way of cataloging that memorabilia it's a better system than a paper system or a centralized system where it's on one computer for example you know with the psi psa sorry the 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 the, the, the sports authenticator so i think you know again memorabilia is going to be a big sector i think also data and analytics again is going to be another massive sector so how we record data um how we engage with fans so you know there's a number of areas that we believe are going to be really growing in the next three to five years we have a strict process of how we analyze a business so ultimately it will be what at what stage is that business um who are the team so team is always important for a business is it a strong team can they execute what they're saying that they want to do i think the problem that we're seeing because the ico market is very is not mature is very new there's a lot of people out there that put, you know, extravagant things in their roadmap, uh, but they just can't execute that. So I think the important thing is, is, you know, when you're starting a business or when you're growing your business is to have in your roadmap achievable milestones, things that you can execute. So we look at that to see if it's achievable to execute what they say they're going to execute. Obviously, heavy due diligence with regards to who are the team where are they located, their qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. And then we look at, obviously, the traction of the business. We look at the competition within that specific sector. What are the MVPs of that business? You know, what are they doing differently to other businesses within the same sector, other competitors? So, you know, the whole process of analyzing a business can take, you know, a few weeks. Um, and then, of course, we'll make a decision. Ultimately, you know, like any VC fund, you're never going to get it at 100% right. Um, there will be businesses that grow 
better than you expected and there'll be businesses that don't grow as much as you expected. Ultimately, again, within our model, we're not just providing capital. You know, that is an important part, but we're also providing hands-on support. So it's about helping that business with regards of infrastructure, you know, how they can grow, how they can maximize their revenues, look at new revenue streams, and, you know, the scalability of that business. So, you know, the whole process from making the investment, you know, it's not just a case of you make the investment and then you, like, forget about it and watch it grow. There's a lot of hands-on work that's, that's needed day-to-day to make sure that those businesses reach their potential. Sure. Ben, tell me a little bit more about the token itself in terms of, you know, how does it work? Is there a minimum amount to participate? Um, are they tradable? That type of thing. Yeah. So basically, the token is classified as a security. It's um, fi- the, the, fi- the filing that's done with the SEC. It's filed under, under a regulation D506C. So what that means is that means that if we're selling the token here in the U.S., there's no problems legality-wise but it means that we can only accept accredited investors. Obviously, the definition of an accredited investor is they must have X amount of money. You know, they must have an income of X. They must have assets of X. So you have to be classified as an accredited investor to buy the token here in the U.S. We also file under a Regulation S. A Regulation S allows us to sell the token internationally to international investors, you do not have to be accredited, but you have to be qualified. So what qualified means is you have to pass KYC and AML. So we run KYC and AML on both US and non-US investors that to make sure that obviously with regards of protecting against money laundering, terrorism, etc., etc. So we're following the same guidelines that a bank would follow or any other regulated financial institution. So minimum requirements are, you know, we have a minimum on the token here in the US. It is high uh, because of those requirements and because of the regulations. So the minimum investment amount here in the US is $30,000. And in actual fact, we set the same amount for international investors as well. Obviously, we would love to be able to offer the token to retail investors i.e. people that can invest a couple of hundred dollars. But unfortunately, just the regulations aren't there yet in the U.S. You know, it may come a time where we can offer more of a a retail fund where we can accept smaller investments. We would love to do that. It's just we're we're governed and guidelined by the restrictions of, you know, the SEC and and making sure that we're operating legally. Um, The token, as I said, is is classified as a security with regards to trading. So there's a vesting period on the token, as I explained, of one year. Once that one year passes, a a token holder can liquidate their token. So we're not currently registered on any secondary exchange um, because ultimately we're still in, in, in our raise at the moment. We're still raising our fund. But basically what will happen is we will obviously apply to a secondary exchanges to be listed on the secondary exchange. However, we're not technically relying on that. So ultimately, let's say, for example, we are not registered on a secondary exchange. The vesting period has passed. A token holder wants to liquidate their token. We are offering a buyback and burn. 
which means the token holder can come to us. We would buy those tokens back um, at that price at that time, and we would burn those tokens. Why do we burn the tokens? Is because A, we can't resell the tokens, and B, it just creates scarcity within the token, which helps with stability of token price. The token price is completely linked to the performance of the fund. It's not linked to trading on a secondary exchange, which is very speculative. You know, we, our token economics are very well constructed. So as I say, it, it is completely linked to the performance of the fund. Um, ultimately, we will look to provide, you know, trading on the secondary exchange and that will come over time. So we do have options either way of secondary exchange trading or us buying that token back from the token holder at that market price and burning the token. So Ben, how does someone get involved uh, with Sportfest? What's the, the best way to reach out and ways to participate? So the best way, I mean, obviously, you know, before you decide to do any investment in our fund, what you need to do is obviously read our white paper. So we have a shortened, shortened form of the white paper, which is called a light paper. So that's I think it's around 15 pages. And then we have a full white paper, which is 40 pages. The reason why I'm saying it's important that you read that first is ultimately whatever level you're at, you know, it doesn't matter if you completely understand sports, venture capital and blockchain, or only understand one of those things. Every investor has to have, has to read that white paper. We won't allow any investor to do an investment without confirming they've read all our materials. Then basically, once you've read the materials, um, you can register on our website to do an investment. So you would put in your, your basic information and effectively you would be, it's called a whitelist, you would be effectively giving us certain, certain details that we would check and we would approve you um, from those details. Effectively then we would obviously forward the agreements to you and you would obviously go through the agreements. But ultimately, we try to speak to every investor, you know, on the phone or if they're within one of the cities where we have, you know, a person, it will be a face-to-face -face meeting. So we like to give a, a personalized service. We're not doing what is traditional in the ICO market, which is called a, a public sale. Originally, we were going to do a public sale, but decided against that because ultimately, as a fund, it allows us to get a better quality of investor by doing it privately. So it is accessible to people that qualify. They would just need to visit our site, read our inf download and read our information. Then they can either put their information in the whitelist or they can contact us via email. And obviously, one of our general partners would speak with them, um, go through, answer any questions. And then obviously, it would move to them, obviously being presented with the contracts to sign. They would sign the contracts and the investment would be completed. So, you know, all the due diligence is done. And due diligence, just so obviously it's clear, due diligence is on both sides. While we do due diligence on each investor, we expect, of course, investors to do due diligence on our business, on our business model, on our team. You know, we're completely transparent. And obviously, we're there to make sure we get the correct investor you know, that investors understand what they're investing in. They understand what it means to be an LP of our fund, but also what it means to hold tokens, because, of course, tokens are different and they're new. You know, and, it's, and, and the metrics and 
fundamentals and mechanics of a token are different to a paper share. Well, Ben, I really appreciate all the, the time and information you've given us today. This is really amazing work that you're all doing. So what is on the horizon for SportFest? Well, I mean, it's exciting. You know, we're really excited as a team. You know, I have to say the team that I have are very, very experienced, very knowledgeable. We have decades, really, of experience in sports and venture capital. And even with blockchain, you know, within our team, we've got some early adopters there that were, you know, investing in crypto in 2012. So early adopters in the crypto market and in blockchain technology. We have, as I say, an excellent team, and it's been a real team effort up to now. You know, where we're at at the moment, of course, and what, what what's going to hold for the future, basically, of course, we're raising the fund at the moment. So we still are open for new investment or for investors. Um, we'll be starting to deploy capital. Um, I believe it will probably be towards the end of this year, start of 2019, However, you know, we we are looking at potential investments now as well. So, you know, if there is somebody out there that listens to this and, of course, they have a, a sports business, they're looking to raise capital, they can contact us as well. You know, we're looking at, at potential investments now. We're not waiting. So, you know, we're, we're preparing our strategy, preparing, you know, what we're going to be investing in. And obviously, you know, we'll be building the, the fund and the portfolio over 2019 and I mean yeah it's exciting times because of course we we kind of have first mover advantage here you know we're going to be the first tokenized sports VC fund out there um, and we see that as going to be you know that's going to be the new standard and yeah I mean it's exciting times for us so it's just a case of, of course, of closing the fund out and, and building the portfolio. And what is the best way to contact you? So basically, we can be contacted um, through our general email address, which is hello at sportvet.io. I can also be contacted on LinkedIn um, or through our company LinkedIn or personally on my LinkedIn um, through Twitter. So our Twitter is at sportvetico. So it can be through Twitter, so any of our social media, and also Telegram. We use Telegram like many companies in the blockchain space. Um, so our Telegram is SportVest. You can join that Telegram. From there, you can ask questions. Um, the whole team are available to answer questions. So we can ask, you know, we can answer any questions with regards to anything to do with investing or you know strategy or legality. Um, so those are like the best ways to contact us through our social media, our Telegram, or through the the general email address. All of that, all of that, of course, is on our website as well. So our website is sportvest.io. That's the website, and on there you'll find the white paper, the white list, all of our terms and conditions, uh, a lot of detailed information. And again, you know, we can be contacted through the website as well. Thank you again, Ben, so much. This was a great interview and sit-down session with you. I sure appreciate your time. For our listeners, again, this was Ben Godfrey, founder of BortFest. Ben, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing where you all are going with this. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Thanks for your time today. Have a good one, Ben. And you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies 
that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.